I just want to recap exactly what you achieved there. It's three marathons in three days, each one about 2.30 per marathon. That's right. And you broke the record by 40 minutes <laughs> combined time. Yeah. I think, I think something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, it, we, we got about a lot. Yeah. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Gotta Run Racing Podcast. Heidi ho <laughs> where, where did you come from? <laughs> Over the fence, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Only the people our age will understand that reference. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, much, West, much. It's, uh, finally, we got some nicer weather out there. and uh, Yeah, you're back on trails. Back on trails. Norm doesn't run trails from November to May. So he's finally on trails again. I, I'm a bit few days early to get my uh, <laughs> trail legs going because Western States is only two months away. So well, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> anyway, what is happening with Gotta Run Racing? Yes. Well, we've got Fiddle 50 coming up very soon. It's mm-hmm. at the beginning of June in Shelburne. And we really are looking for some relay runners to hit that 100K. You can have between four and six runners split up the distance however you like. It's a 1K loop, so it's going to be a party. <laughs> it's going to be a party in yep. the, the burn, as they call it, in Shelburne. And, and you, could have, you can do 1K and your teammates can do the rest. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be a long-distance runner. Just find some long-distance runners. Yeah. So check that out at gotterunracing.com. Cool. And who was on the podcast today? Well, this is a good one. This is a good one. We mm. have Jordan Trofe from Baltimore, Maryland. He's an orthopedic surgeon at Walter Reed Military Center, and he is a kick-ass marathoner. He is a world record holder. I, I don't want to give it away, but nope. <laughs> in the marathon distance, and you're thinking, well, he's not the fastest marathoner, but he's a world record holder nonetheless. And he is fast. <laughs> and we're going to talk to him about that. And we're also going to talk about Marathon de Sable. That's right. Which he is the, uh, came in fifth place. This season, this yeah, year. This year, just, yeah. a, just a few couple months ago. That's right. So coming up, Jordan. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome Jordan to the podcast. And big congrats on defending your title, that Big Sur Marathon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, when we thank Hannah, your wife, too, for helping us set it up. <laughs> You're your manager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But first, before you, we get into the Big Sur and, every, and all your accomplishments, we just want to know back from the beginning how you even started this running journey. Yeah. So for me, this year is just pure opportunity. And uh, the hack, the reason I'm able to do so much right now, I'm on uh, like a research block. And I really haven't had to say no to anything. So my priority uh, this spring with with this added time in my schedule, um, in other words, I don't have patients in the hospital. I'm not taking call overnight. Uh, so I have a lot of uh, a kind of a temporary block of freedom where I could uh, just really do a lot of things. Uh, so I just wanted to take advantage of all the opportunities and check a few items off the bucket list, namely MDS. <laughs> yes, we're going to definitely get to that. <laughs> but going way back, how, how and when did you actually start running? Oh, 
That's a good question. So high school is the answer. Mm. And then uh, I was like, okay, in high school, I wasn't like a college recruit or like a D1 athlete by any means. But um, I did go to college thinking like I would continue running and run in the NCAA and just do the best that I could. Mm -hmm. That really didn't pan out for me at all. I ended up going to the Naval Academy and I got hurt over our like summer of training before Mm -hmm. college started. And I really never got back from that. I was unable to kind of fully recover. I kept getting rushed back from the coach. And I really just kind of lost uh, interest in running. And I just Mm. wasn't having fun with it anymore. Uh, So at that point, I kind of bailed on the whole college running thing, uh, bailed on the NCAA and started running marathons. And I absolutely fell in love with that. Uh, So that was my sophomore year of college. And I've really been at it since then. and it's just been uh, fun to see how far we can go with it. <laughs> okay. Well, f- let's fast forward then. You you show up at Big Sur this past weekend, having yeah. just PB'd or PR. I think we, Americans use PR. We say PB. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having just PB'd at Boston like six days before. So how are you feeling going into Big Sur knowing you're defending your title too? So... It was cool because of those two things, but it really didn't make it any different for me, really in any way. I was really just happy to be back there this year. Sure, I had like previously won the the last time we ran it, which feels like forever ago, it was back in 2019. <laughs> but that really didn't change anything. It didn't change my mindset going into it. Um, I was really just happy to be there and go as fast as I could. And then on top of a PB, uh, that was nice. That was reassuring just because coming off MDS kind of in the ultra realm and then going into marathons, I didn't really know how that was going to go. So uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, totally uncharted territory and uh, we just did our best. Right. Well, it, it worked, obviously. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Now, Boston to Big Sur is a record that people tried to achieve and you were trying to go for this record? What it happened? It is. Yeah. So the record was out there set by Mike Wardy and legend. <laughs> it was like 451 is super good. I knew about it, but I didn't go into it like, oh, I got to break this record. I knew it was out there. I knew I was within range. So I was going to go for it. Like I was going to run as fast as I could, but um, I didn't set a watch. There were no clocks on the course. So that one... <laughs> just uh I, I it was if it was gonna happen it was gonna happen but that is a record and i missed it i missed it by 16 seconds so it's still uh it's still out there <laughs> i was gonna say did you stop and tie your shoe like what where are the 16 seconds you know <laughs> i could think of a million places to find 16 seconds on that course but um ultimately yeah i mean it just uh <laughs> just not my day you know (laughs) but uh yeah that's a bummer maybe one day we'll go for it because that's a fun record like that's awesome absolutely but um not this year not this year (laughs) and you're gonna try for it again next year i guess uh if i can get to both boston and big sur which is a huge if sure why not the other thing too is um like i don't take fitness for granted at all so this spring I was able to get in great shape, like running in the desert for eight days gets you in really good shape, <laughs> but that's doesn't really come every year. Like some, some years, uh, uh, depending on how like the rotations line up, I'm not well rested. I'm, I'm not really in a good training position. So, um, 
we'll see where we're at next year. But <laughs> hopefully I can get out to both of these. Now, the record that you do hold is the, the three back-to-back marathons, which you did last year. And you, yes. beat, you beat that record quite handily. Now, it's interesting because I wonder, I, I'm not sure what the record was before in terms of which three marathons it was, because in a, in a normal situation, you would never have Boston the day after Chicago, but because of right. COVID. So what, what was the record based on before? Which three do you know? That's a really good question. I had no idea. Okay. Um, we're going to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. The, uh, that was kind of an interesting part of doing that. Sure, like doing that record was fun. And I guess it's a record, but it's one of those like, I don't know, like farthest distance run while like juggling or something. It's like one of those that it's just like, it's like kind of like whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, for that one, uh, doing the majors and traveling to those different locations uh, really added kind of a special element to it and made it a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a great video on YouTube that we're going to actually include in the notes as well for people to watch because it's very well put together and it explains your the situations that you had with the travel, which we won't give away because we yeah, really want to I know which one you're talking that. about. <laughs> it's uh, watching a video on yourself is like one of the most painful things in the world. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, do I really look like that? Do I really talk like that? <laughs> But I agree. They, um, the believe in the run guys did an excellent job kind of putting that together. And, uh, it was fun just to kind of have that to culminate the whole, uh, the whole experience. Right. Now, one question I had about Baltimore, which I, I have to ask you because you, you said there were no eight stations on that course. Yeah. What, what was that about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this year, yeah, it was pretty wild. Basically, it was as a COVID precaution. I think it was kind of the rationale behind it. Okay. But they were like, we're not going to have any water stations. So nobody like handing out water, handing out cups or whatever. So they basically give you the guidance before starting, like run with your own receptacle for water, water bottle, whatever you wanted to bring. Mm -hmm. And there would be like places to fill up along the course. Um, And that was how they were going to do it that year. And I think it was COVID. I don't think it was like an environmental thing, but uh, that one ended up being weird because I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I definitely had like the resources to have water on the course. Like mm-hmm. I could, I knew, I know a lot of people in Baltimore. Like I can have a cup of water really wherever I wanted to uh, with the amount of people that are riding their bikes around that course. <laughs> but I didn't want to like delegitimize the effort in any way. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to play it. Uh, And I ended up just carrying water and just like making the best of it, just playing by the rules. Right. And uh, it wasn't super fun. It it was a unique situation and we just made the best of it. And good training for MDS at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. Right. (laughs) It's just like, that's something that's important to me. And that's something I try to train on myself is a lot of runners are unique such that or superstitious or like, they need these things. They need to wear their lucky socks, their lucky shorts. They need this nutrition at this mile, or they need this the night before. All this stuff that like really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge barrier uh, to performing y- your very best. Sure, I'm not saying like if things work for you, uh, like don't use them. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. But I think uh, like 
the the amount that these specific things actually matter and contribute to your performance is very small. And what actually matters is your training and your mindset. And uh, you, really, you just get getting things done out mm-hmm. there. So that was the perfect example of just like, here's a little like hurdle, get over it. <laughs> yeah, and it really was no big deal. So well, when we first, work. when we watched the video, and I saw you wearing a handheld, I'm thinking, I've never seen anybody wear a handheld in a marathon before. <laughs> so I was like, what is this about? Yeah, but, I didn't play that one super well too. The first thing I did was dump that out. I was carrying around like three pounds of water for like the whole <laughs> first six miles. It was just like not, not ideal. But I was going to ask you about Baltimore as well because it wasn't when you were running your marathon, you were alone for a, a long time. How does that play with you psychologically? The fact there's nobody around to lead challenge off, you. challenge you, to push you, anything? Yeah, it's a good question. And surprisingly, I found myself running alone on marathon courses uh, kind of a lot, surprisingly. But Baltimore, there are some kind of areas where there, there's really not much crowd support uh, mm. kind of at the beginning and kind of like right at the like 20 mile mark where you kind of need it. Mm. But for me, there were two things that really kind of helped me out. One was uh, the winner of that race. Um, I actually know pretty well. He's kind of a well-known like community runner around here uh, mm. was out there. And uh, that was fun to kind of see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, that race in Baltimore, that time, I was really, really, really just focused on running my own race and not doing anything, uh, that would compromise the effort over the next few days. Uh, so running by myself was actually like almost better because mm-hmm. I could just do me and not right. worry about like somebody else making a move or like somebody else pushing it, um, or something like that. But the lack of like people screaming at you, like <laughs> it's easy just to kind of slow down a little bit, you know, and uh, true, let things yeah. go. But uh, yeah, for me, I was just kind of focused on doing me and it was fine. That's awesome. I just want to recap exactly what you achieved there. It's three marathons in three days, each one about 2.30 per marathon. That's right. And you broke the record by 40 minutes <laughs> combined time. Yeah. I think, I think something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, it, we, we got about a lot. Yeah. So th- I, I tell everyone to, to go watch this oh, on yeah, YouTube for sure about your whole journey because it's we could go in depth, but it, just basically go watch the video and you got the gist of it. So. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah really a lot well of fun. Done. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> now that you have this world record, there are other world records involved running. I was wondering if you're interested in, I don't know, fastest uh, marathoner in a costume or fastest person. <laughs> running pushing a stroller (laughs) yeah exactly right is there Um, is any of that in your mind (laughs) no uh to be completely honest no i love it yeah these records you can easily uh, get it (laughs) you can easily get it like i don't want to be like london marathon for example i don't need to be like the fastest spider-man or something you know (laughs) like i just i just don't uh these records are fun when they're out there just to kind of like shoot for and, um, like we put together these three marathons in three days without like, our, our, our idea for that was like, Oh, it'd be sweet if we can do this. It wasn't like, Oh, let's go break this record. The, mm-hmm. the fact that there was a record where you're like, all right, let's go break that record. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if I do like find myself running in a Spider-Man costume one day under some unfortunate circumstances, we might go for that record. But, uh, right now it's not kind of on my, uh, list of to do's. Speaking of Spider-Man. 
who you did run against at MDS. Yeah, that's Marathon right. Sab. <laughs> that's right. Let's let's talk about. Let's get into the MDS 250k sure. stage race in the Sahara Desert. What was the inspiration there? Because that seems a little bit removed from what you've been doing with your marathons. Yes. So I do not know how I first stumbled a, 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 across Marathon de Saab. Is that how you say it, by the way? Is it? Yeah, you said it perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I realized. So like Spanish, I can kind of like get by. French, do not know a word of it. Like I was struggling out there. But um, how I first came across Marathon de Saab, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was on one of those like bucket list race, like, lists that you can find uh it on google or whatever just because marathons for me something that i really enjoy and have fun with is um going places and doing them uh that's how i got the big sur for example uh so like treating it kind of like as a mini vacation go run somewhere cool that you can't usually run go see something new is a huge motivation for me picking my marathons and getting out there and doing them uh so eventually uh i came across marathon to stop. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, that sounds hard. That sounds unique. Uh, run across the Sahara. It was just something that I, I, I kind of had to do. Uh, and it was just a matter of when I would do this, whether it would be three weeks ago or whenever we did it, or when I was 50 years old, uh, mm-hmm. I just kind of put it on the list, which doesn't actually exist, but um, <laughs> the figurative list of ones of races to do. I don't know exactly where I stumbled across that. Now, what was the opportunity that came up for you that fit into your schedule this year? Was that, is there any story to that? No, purely uh, the fact that I'm on a research block right now, I could take eight days off without consequence. Usually with the kind of surgical resident schedule, taking time off, you have to really plan it far ahead. Just because depending on kind of your seniority, for me now I'm becoming more of a senior resident, like I'm running the service or I have, uh, I'm responsible for patients, things that I have to plan for and find coverage for. Uh, so this year with this research block, I could take eight days, no consequence. And furthermore, with COVID, that kind of puts a little bit of extra stress on this because if I get stuck somewhere and I need to like quarantine for like 10 days, that could be pretty catastrophic. Uh, if I'm expected to be back at work on said day. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was the opportunity. I have some research time built into my schedule where really I just need an internet connection and I can do what I need to do. And if I were to get stuck somewhere or I had to take an extended period of time, there, there would be no consequence. So I got lucky with that. Now the Canadian that we spoke to, um, a couple weeks ago, Caroline, She lives in Winnipeg. I don't know if you know anything about Winnipeg, but they get a lot of snow in the winter. And I know where it is. You know where (laughs) it is. Okay. So Baltimore, I'll give you that. It's a little bit warmer, but how the heck did you train for MDS in a Baltimore (laughs) winter? (laughs) Which is a spring marathon. Yeah. Spring. Spring race. Spring race. Yes. Exactly. So Baltimore's very, uh, very mild. It's uh, we're on we're on imperial units here, so I don't know if it'll make sense <laughs> to anybody else. But it rarely gets below freezing over the winter. So for me, I did very little uh, training specific to the conditions I would be in in the desert. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. so namely, I didn't do much in snow because we didn't really have snow. I didn't do much in sand because I don't really have sand. 
And then I didn't do much in heat because we really didn't have heat, although our temperatures were pretty, pretty mild. Mm -hmm. So for me, I kind of shifted my training focus over to two things. One, just sheer volume. I knew mm -hmm. if I was fit, I knew if I was in shape, I was going to be able to deal with the conditions. Uh, and two, running with the weight. And that was something that I was pretty unfamiliar with mm -hmm. that I had to train up to. And that was really, really unique <laughs> in that uh, I was trying to do marathons at the same time as Marathon to Saab. And these are two things that are, I, honestly, I don't think could be more different. <laughs> so I would do two weighted pack runs a week with like at least like 20, 25 pounds or something heavier than I would ever be carrying. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really drifted away from like marathon specific, like speed work training, just because of the added injury risk of running with weight. But really to kind of answer that question, I didn't do anything specific to conditions, no sand, no snow, no heat. Um, and I really prioritized uh, volume, like distance, as well as running with that pack. Wow. Wow. Well, impressive finish. You finished fifth. Overall. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, uh, it was fun. That's amazing. But what was the most challenging about these stages? Because we know, we do know the backstory of the different, what happened in each stage. The conditions, the, conditions. the windy mm. days. Yeah. So, so what was the most challenging? challenging? Yeah, we had a sandstorm. That was wild. <laughs> <laughs> if you're picking up what we're laying down, listen up. After two years of virtual, our rainbow trail run is going live for the first time. The trails at Earl Rowe Provincial Park in Allison have been a well-kept secret until now. We've crafted a scenic 12K loop featuring mostly double-track trail that will show off all of the best views this park has to offer. Join us August 6th and 7th for 1, 2, 4, 8, or 14 loops. We'll leave the math up to you. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now, if Jody and Norm were a celebrity couple, would their name be Jorman or Nodi? Anyways, back to the show. The most challenging part of MDS is not the running, surprisingly. And what was so surprising was, uh, like, during Marathon to Saab, we weren't running fast, like, ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was pretty interesting. It was basically like, keep running, you will do well. And that's the hard part. It's just keep running. For me, a few things that I learned that I would do different that I didn't really do well was my pack. First of all, I didn't put a lot of thought into what was in it. So on the mm. first day, I was carrying a 10 kilo pack and the top guys were carrying six, like hands down. So I was carrying almost double weight right off the bat. And then I didn't really put a lot of thought into the food that I would bring. I brought mm. things that I would like not things that were, were like light or good things to bring. Uh, so I couldn't just drop all my weight, like at that point, because a lot of my calories were invested in, in that weight. That was something uh, that I had to deal with my kind of poor decision-making uh, for the rest of the race was I was carrying more weight most of the time than other people, which for me, it really wasn't a huge deal. And I, w I went into it with that mentality. Like I'm, I'm a big dumb ox like I, I can carry whatever uh so that was something that was a little bit harder for me that i should have thought harder about and then the other thing too is the hard part of mds again is not the running it's kind of everything else mm. so um it, it's like 
all of the things you're used to and all of kind of your like creature comforts are not there. Like you don't sit in a chair for a week. <laughs> uh, like you're, uh, you're eating out of your backpack, you're sleeping on the hard ground. Uh, so really kind of the, the cumulative effects of all that was, was unique in that it's hard to prepare for and hard to really uh, know what to expect until you're out there. Right. And I so think those are kind why, of the harder things for me. I think that's why they have so many repeat runners too, because once you do it once and you see all the areas that you can improve on, you want to go back and try to do better the next time. Right. Exactly. And I can think of just right off the top of my head, a handful of people who are in that exact scenario. They're like, Oh, I could have done this so much better. I could have shaved time here and I'm coming back again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a situation where you have no crew. You're on your own. Right. That's right. Oh. Yeah, that's tough. So how was the uh, stage two, I think, where the sandstorm, which was. Yeah. How, how was so that I got super lucky. I finished oh. right before that thing started. So <laughs> finished the race um, was like getting my water, carrying all the stuff back to my tent and the sandstorm starts. So I was done. No factor for me, except my tent kept blowing over. Like I had nowhere to go. It was actually pretty miserable. The sandstorm was uh, it just kept blowing over all the tents so uh there's like nowhere to go <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like i think i sent an email to my wife that day because um like waiting in line to send an email like sounded better than sitting in the sand store <laughs> so, that's you, what i did did you get to chat with the two brothers that infamously take one and two <laughs> every year yeah not really you no. know they're um super nice Everybody kind of loves them. They're awesome. And they're around and they're very supportive of everybody who's out there. I never really um, talked to them. And there was a little bit of a language barrier too. And that was part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then stage four, I think was the 80K. Was that, now yes. you're doing an ultra run on one day. Have, that's unfamiliar territory for you? Is that the longest? Yes. Yeah. I've done one prior ultra and okay. it was in uh, Key West, Florida. It's called the Keys 100. I did the 50 uh, because at that time I just had the weekend off. I wasn't really in shape to do <laughs> anything like that. So I ended up doing the 50 and it was fully crewed. Um, and my wife like supported me throughout that run. I destroyed myself. I was so miserable. <laughs> like, so that was my only 50 mile experience was uh was that so going into this i went into it with a little different mindset namely like those 50 miles so when i opened it up it was my so this race in key west was the first race back from covid and i was like oh i'm so amped to be back like we're finally racing again <laughs> and i wasn't like really in shape at all because um i was on like a hard rotation and i opened up my first mile in like 506 just oh, like boy really stupid and then i was like rolling through at the 10 mile i was i hit it i was like on marathon pace and then it was downward spiral <laughs> from there <laughs> but uh i didn't take that approach uh in the desert i was like this is going to be a long day uh, i just need to pace myself and it was really kind of totally different because that race i knew that long stage i had no idea what to expect but just like mentally, I was in a different spot. I like knew I was going to be out there all day. I knew that like it was stage four and I was in good position. So I had to like compete. I knew I had plenty of food. So it was really, um, I, I was just kind of on the line and it was, we were just going to see how it went. 
it, it was uncharted territory, but it was, it was, it went, it went okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And then to have to do an actual marathon the next day, I yeah, believe, that's right? That's, cake. that's day five. Yeah. You know, what's wild was like, the, that was the first time the marathon felt short. And in my <laughs> mind, uh, it was the first time I ever thought of a marathon as like a series of 10 Ks. And mm-hmm. it kind of like changed my whole perspective on the marathon. It's crazy. Like in, in Boston, Big Sur, it was just like a series of 10 Ks. And mm-hmm. uh, we're on miles here. So like, it's always like, oh, you get to 20 miles and it's like halfway. Because uh, <laughs> that's where everybody hits the, hits the wall. Uh, but when you're like racing these things, if you just take a 10 K at a time, it's, uh, it, it's a nice kind of bite-sized way to approach the marathon. Nice. Do you see ultras in your future? That's a good question. Uh, maybe. They're a lot of fun. I love doing it. And I love the idea of them. Like I love running on a trail for 50 miles is good for me now. People were throwing around these 100-mile ambitions very casually at MDS. I was with all these just outstanding, accomplished ultra runners. <laughs> and for me, I'm not at 100 miles yet. There's no way. But as I kind of... um do get older, maybe start having more time, kind of just start growing in the sport of ultra running. Maybe uh, I'll take it a little more seriously. Ultra running for me right now is um, it, I, I'm not there. Uh, I still like the marathon. Yeah, you, you, you've got lots of time. So just pace yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you've also Man. done a couple of Ironmans. Yes. I how think my did, Ironman count is three. So how did that come about? Because now you're at you're throwing in two other sports. Did you have yeah. a background in swimming or biking, or was it just a challenge you wanted to take on? Funny story with Ironman. I kind of just fell into Ironman because I love the endurance events, like marathons, namely. But the way that I got into biking <laughs> was uh, I went to the Naval Academy, which is in Annapolis, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And then my wife was in college at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And they're okay. about 50 miles apart. And uh, the Naval Academy, there's certain like kind of rules and privileges that you get as you get older or more senior in the ranks. So in my first years at the Naval Academy, I was not allowed to have a car. Mm-hmm. And this was like 2011, 2012, like Uber wasn't really a thing. So if I wanted to see my then girlfriend, now wife, I would have to hop in a $100 cab <laughs> and go to Georgetown and then take a hundred dollar cap back. And when you're making like zero dollars, that's a, that's a huge financial commitment. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and you can't do that every weekend. That's crazy. So I ended up um, buying a bike, like a road bike. And I was like, Oh, I'll just ride these 50 miles. It'll take what, like three hours and it'll be a good workout. It'll kind of augment my running and it's free. Um, yeah. if you pay off the bike, of course, or whatever. Uh, so that's exactly what I did. Wow. And, uh, that's how I got into kind of road biking. And my first bike was like this cheap, like bikes direct, like aluminum bike or whatever. And I was riding back one day from Georgetown and I got nailed by a car oh. that was, uh, like turning left as I was kind of oh. rolling by. And I got a pretty big insurance check from that. And that's how I got my tri bike. Uh-huh. Um, which I still ride today, my 2010 Cervelo. Nice. <laughs> so that's the story with how I kind of got into the Ironman. Uh, and then the swimming, I, I didn't, I'm not a good swimmer and that's my soft spot. 
but percentage wise in terms of that race i mean you're in the water for like an hour so you can be a pretty bad swimmer and still do okay yeah yeah absolutely Mm. now what were you just for just for numbers sake what were you able to pull off in the marathon in in your best marathon in the ironmans yeah um so i run like 240s wow so not much of a not much of a setback. It's that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think so. My last one was Ironman Maryland, which I was lucky enough this year to um, win my age group in Ironman Maryland. So I'm going to Kona in the fall. Congratulations. Um, oh, that's thank amazing. you. I'm pumped for that. That's going to be like my next big thing. Yeah. Um, but I think I ran like a 246, 248, something like that. I know I could do a faster. What's so surprising is just running a single marathon kind of beats me up more than an entire <laughs> Ironman. And I can't explain it. I don't know what it is, but um, like I get off the bike in those Ironmans. And I mean, so far I felt fine, like great. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what it is. It's just like a good warm up or what, but um, I'm hoping I can get that marathon time down. We'll see. Yeah. And, and you did South Africa as well, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, the Ironmans for me have been like destination based. Mm-hmm. So my first one I did right when I graduated college and it was the same thing. It was like, I have free time over the summer. Uh, let's do something sweet. So uh, I talked my dad into going to Cairns, Australia with me. Nice. And uh, so I did it in Cairns and then uh, that was my first Ironman. I did like medium, like, okay, I was in the 18 to 24 age group, mm-hmm. which like nobody is in at that time. So I ended up winning my age group that year. But wasn't able to go to Kona because I was starting medical school while that was happening and they wouldn't let me go. <laughs> They're like priorities, bro. Like, no. Um, so that we did that one. It was amazing. And then the next one was South Africa. Same reason. It's like, let's go do an Ironman somewhere sweet. And then this year we did Maryland. I mean, you look at the Ironmans I've chosen to do. Uh, it's like Cannes, Australia, South Africa, and there's like Maryland, like right in my backyard. <laughs> and the reason we did that was my wife this year we're kind of at that time where we kind of like want to settle down and start having kids stuff like that yeah like just calm down a little bit <laughs> so she was like i just want to do one big thing i want to do an iron man before kind of like moving on yeah and uh, i was like okay you don't have a bike <laughs> you don't have a wetsuit <laughs> like what are you talking about uh but we committed to that this year ended up going to that one and that was just easier logistically than like packing a bike on a plane and all that yeah Uh, so that's how we got out there for that one and she did great it was awesome did she love it she uh that might be her her last one for a little while (laughs) but uh she she did she did i'm proud of her she did awesome we jody and Hannah, her name is? Yeah, Hannah. Can yeah. relate on the triathlon world. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a biker and I'm not a swimmer, but I had to do it just to see what it was like. And, and I'm glad I did because now I know I never want to do it again. <laughs> there you go. Which one did you do? Well, it was an Ironman. It was, I've done a couple sprints because we used to own a running store and we had clinics for triathlon. And I thought I'm going to have to do one of these in order to be able to. <laughs> Yeah. There you people go. Out. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. The sprints are hard. The Ironman, honestly, it's a bike race. Like if you're a good biker, cause you're on your bike for 112 miles, like four or five hours, yeah. uh, you're going to be really, really good. But being good at the marathon helps. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you should come to Canada and do the one I did, which is Mont-Tremblant. 
and you can learn your French. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I have a long way to go with my French. <laughs> but uh, that one looks awesome, and it's in range. The other one in Canada is Whistler looks great too. Yes. But they just moved it. It's what's it called? Like um, Penticton. I think they went back to Penticton. That's where they went to. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So other than Kona, what's next for you? So for me right now, uh, what's really important for me is I kind of divide my running up into seasons almost like spring and fall. And I kind of treat my training that way. I'll train up for a good spring, try to hit like a, a peak race and same thing for the fall. I'll train up for the fall, hit a peak race. So for me, I'm taking a hard stop right now, two weeks recover. And that kind of keeps me hungry too. Uh, some people are like, oh, I'm in such great shape. I don't want to stop running right now because I feel like I can do something sweet right now. But really, if you do kind of, if you're honest with yourself, listen to your body, it's a good thing to take a break. And that keeps you hungry kind of for the next thing. You can kind of pick up in a, in a different spot uh, next time you go. So for me, fall, it's going to be kind of, that's going to kind of be the priority. Right. And uh, I think that's going to take most of my time just because the training for the Ironman, you need to go on these like four, five, six hour bike rides. And that's going to be really hard to do. So that's pretty much going to be my weekends. Right. But I'm going to kind of focus in on that. And then um, I think Marine Corps is going to be my marathon Oh, nice! for the fall. Um, I run that like almost every year. The Navy actually puts together a team and they compete every year in that. Uh. Uh, so I kind of have that on my calendar. It's like a, <laughs> a good motivation. And then, uh, so that's my fall, really. It'll be Kona and then one marathon, probably Marine Corps. And then um, spring is TBD, wide open. Ah, If uh, things line up, I'd love to go back to Big Sur. I mean, any any excuse to go there is is (laughs) worth it, for sure. Don't count out trail running. (laughs) I know. So, yes. (laughs) And, you know, MDS kind of really got me into trail running. And honestly, when I'm training... I, uh, I prefer the trail. So almost mm-hmm. all of my runs are on a trail and I'm super spoiled where I live. I live kind of in the DC suburb area now. Okay. And, uh, I can be on like Rock Creek trail or a lot of the nicer trails around here in five, 10 minutes. Nice. So I spend a lot of time out there on the trails. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a coach? We no, I don't. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. And the reason why is, um, that would be like a next step for me that would kind of like get me to the next level. If mm. you haven't noticed, I'm kind of stuck in this like 226, 227 like spot in my mm. marathons. The reason I don't have a coach is running for me is really just purely fun. And I like to just kind of see how far I can take it and see how far I can go. And I think having a coach would definitely get me to that next level, keep me a little more focused and definitely like teach me things that mm-hmm. I don't know because uh, to be completely honest, I kind of like know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but I think that may kind of affect my priorities and, uh, running may become just a little bit too distracting and add pressure on yeah. me yeah. that, uh, that I don't want. So I haven't taken that step, uh, to get a coach yet. Uh, when I'm done training, like, um, with my surgical training like my residency in two years mm-hmm. and i have a little bit more time on my hands i may consider uh getting a coach and getting serious like a little more serious with running but at this point it's uh it's just kind of let's see how far we can go with it well you you right now you would drive a coach nuts because you go <laughs> exactly. off fireman yeah. and you do mds your coach would be like pulling his hair out 
Oh man, if a coach could see what I eat or like how I sleep or like, ooh, they, yeah, I, I don't know what they think about me. Now, you, you're an orthopedic surgeon, so you're dealing with joints, hips, knees, all those things all day long. So That's we want right. to know, is running good for you? Yeah. So, you know, that's the million dollar question. And people have asked that question in an academic context. And uh, it's really hard to study. So here's what we know. Uh, there's been some evidence that running is actually protective of osteoarthritis. That's kind of like the biggest joke, right? Like people are like, oh, like, you're going to need new knees, new hips, like, are you going to replace them yourselves or whatever? Or like all that pounding on the pavement, all those 100 miles on the trail, like, you're going to have terrible arthritis or need knee replacements or things like that. There's really no conclusive evidence either way mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, there's been some evidence that shows that that running is actually protective of osteoarthritis and that mm -hmm. the biggest risk factor for having arthritis and needing joint replacement is actually obesity, like being overweight, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Because if you think about like all the forces on your joints, if you weigh 400 pounds, running usually keeps you Fit. And although it does increase those forces, you don't have that body habitus and it's probably cumulatively less stress. But, <laughs> but right now there's no concrete scientific evidence <laughs> kind of in either way that says, oh, running's terrible for you or running's really good for you um, yeah. in terms of like needing orthopedic surgery. I like your um, answer. <laughs> but, yeah. It's really interesting too, like being in the military, take care of really a variety like it's essentially i take care of professional athletes you know right. like these young healthy guys uh who have these enormous physical demands with the with these injuries that need rehabilitation and, and attention quickly <laughs> uh so so I, I love the population i take I, I take care of it's, it's really interesting and it gives me perspective Absolutely. Well, maybe you can do some research for the running crowd just to, just to <laughs> support. I've thought super hard. I would love to show that running is like the best thing you can do, but it's super hard to study because yeah. it's like, <laughs> it, it's hard to control, you know? Yeah. Well, anybody that says that they have bad knees and they can't run, it's, it's an excuse. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> our indication so our indication for joint replacement is life-limiting pain and people get there they're like i can't play with my grandkids anymore or like i can't do the things i want to do and we're like all right you need joint replacement now how you get there is different for everybody yeah. um some people just have bad luck and they get have terrible terrible osteoarthritis some people have like kind of run themselves into the ground <laughs> uh, whether it's with their job or whatever but yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I would love to answer some of those bigger questions, but we'll see what comes out. Soon. All right. That's awesome. Well, this has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is awesome. This is huge for me. Well, you, you've got, you've done quite a few amazing things in a short period of time. So we'd love to see where you're going to end up and we'll for sure be following you at Kona because we watch Kona every year. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, hopefully I can make you proud. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and hopefully in five, six years from now, maybe we'll see you at 100 miles or perhaps. There we go. May I do not rule it out, <laughs> but I got some ways to go until I'm there. Well, we like to end our podcast with a couple rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. They're short and sweet. Yeah, for sure. Just, just to have a little bit of fun. All right. Are you superstitious? No, <laughs> I think I already knew the answer to that. Uh, do you have any tattoos? 
Nope. Nope. Name a food you could eat for a week straight. Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) What's the last concert you went to? Jimmy Buffett. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't see that one coming, right? (laughs) Not at all. That's our era. (laughs) Oh, I love Jimmy Buffett. So Jimmy Buffett concerts are so wild. It's like the weirdest group of people. There's like people who are like my grandparents' age and then like (laughs) teenagers. It's the wildest thing in the entire world. What's another sport you'd like to excel in other than what you're doing? Ooh, triathlon. I think ultra running would be cool. Really endurance, kind of those endurance type sports uh, are what I would like to be good at. I don't need to be like LeBron James or like super good at Tom. Like I don't need to be Tom Brady and the best football player ever. (laughs) I like those endurance. It pays better. (laughs) Yeah, It does. Not a lot of money in this sport, but that keeps us honest, you know? And last question. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to and why? Right now. I don't want to go anywhere. 2022 is so easy. It's amazing. <laughs> In that case, pick a superpower. One more. Ooh, for me, I definitely fly. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's a popular Agree. one. Agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think you can't go wrong with that one. Like, no. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks to Hannah, too, for helping to set this up. She's doing a great but, job. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She keeps, she keeps me in check. But yes, yeah, I am so terrible at like responding to um, uh, social media. <laughs> no worries. I kind of lay low. It's nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I really you, appreciate it. And you've got friends in Canada whenever you want to come up this way. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> now come and do our Toronto Marathon. There you go. Yeah. You know, on the list. Not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful up there i can't believe i haven't been up there more than i have honestly yeah but well, covid's put a huge damper on kind of a lot of what i've been able to do for sure we hear you yeah <laughs> all right all right jordan awesome. thanks so much cheers thanks again take right. care bye. bye well 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 that was jordan trofe lots of energy yeah what a great conversation he's Got a oh man! I wish <laughs> I wish I was thirty. You wish you were thirty. I wish I was thirty because there's so many races to do out there, and you say you're running out of time. Running out of time and running out of energy. <laughs> <laughs> but what an incredible achievements he's! Especially this world record. Uh, if you go watch the video on YouTube of putting this together, believe in the run on YouTube. It just tells the whole story of yeah. what happened. So that's why we didn't go too much into it because just go watch the video and yeah, exactly. you'll, you'll get the gist of it and, and it's going to be in the show notes below. And it will inspire you too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marathon de Sable, which is completely off the rail of a marathon. Completely different. Although it has the name marathon in it, but let's, let's be real here. <laughs> Sandstorms and 84K days. Sleeping and, on the ground. And, uh Eating dehydrated food. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. And I can't wait to see Kona. Yeah. We're definitely going to look out for him. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I wish him well. There you go. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at gotterunracing.com 
on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.